and Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text then for this third week in the season of Epiphany is from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. And it'll serve as the basis for this day's meditation. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, typically it happens every year. We begin the new year with promises, many, many promises. Promises that we make to ourselves and to one another. We make promises about things that are going to be different in this new year. We don't want things to be the same. We don't want them to be like the previous year. We want something new, something different, something that's out of the ordinary. But it happens, doesn't it? Soon, reality sets in. And by now, you and me are starting to see how those promises that we made, how they are turning out. But as we go through this process, this process of creating our promises and searching for resolution to our life's dilemmas, in order for us to look forward to what we want to be different, we have to stop. And we have to think about where we've been. And how have things been in the past? And how things need to be different? And how things where we want to go? You see, in our text for today, we see the Israelites. They are returning home. Israel is rebuilding. Israel is reorganizing. And through it all, they have to remember how things were. And they soon realize that things cannot and will not be the same. In order for things to be different, one must start with what will make that change. It all starts with a new direction. For the Israelites, it now starts with the Word of God. But there is so much more than God's people just making New Year's resolutions. You see, the Jews had gone through their exile. And they had gone through the trauma of their decision-making and the consequences of their actions. They're ready. And as they gather for the feast that's about to come, to hear the very gift of God, that is the law of Moses, they begin to celebrate a change. Perhaps they remember the words that come from our psalmody for today. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. For the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the hearts. The commandment of the Lord is pure, therefore it enlightens the eyes. As they began the resettlement, and as they began rebuilding their lives, making a change, we see the power of the Word of God. Likewise, today we are gathered 
We are gathered here to hear and to respond and to see the power of the Word of God in and through Christ Jesus. I mean, let's face it. The last few years have been difficult. And now, hopefully, we are finally coming out of that. And we're seeing the grace of God that is here in this church. The Word of God, it powerfully gathers His people together from all places in the world. They gather together not just as an individual, but as a common group. As the Word is about to be read, the people in response, they stand together and prepare to hear the Word together. That gathered together not only as a single person, but as a cohesive unit. The law is indeed a gift from God. And it is their center, the Israelite center of their life. So that begs us the question for today. What is the center of your life? Going back to Israel, we see that the Israelites had gathered together, not just as individuals as we commonly think of ourselves in worship, but as the text says, as a community. As a community receiving and giving. As the word was about to be read, the people in response, they stood together and prepared to hear the word together. They gathered together not only as single, but as a unit. What a remarkable comparison that is for us today here in God's house. By the very sacrifice of Christ right there on the cross, you and I are gathered together in one body as the baptized children of God. We gather to hear and to listen to the Word of God, to raise our voices in song, upon hearing that word, we rise to our feet. Not just out of respect, but also knowing that the word itself contains life, forgiveness, and salvation. It gives us Christ. You see, the whole thing is, the word of God is so powerful. It opens our ears and our eyes and our hearts. And the people of God are to read, to be proclaimed to, to be instructed. They receive the words that are being spoken. And here's the beauty. And they understood. As Nehemiah the prophet tells us in verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 8. The people have been gathered, but now they hear the words as they are delivered. The leaders and the teachers of the community are faithful to their calling in proclaiming and teaching the Word of God. And what the people hear, what their hearts say, and their minds receive and believe is so important. Again, the whole experience of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, it relates back to the appointed psalm. Where it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
we think a prayer that we inwardly digest the Word of God. Lord God, we pray, bless your Word wherever it is proclaimed. Make it a word of power and of peace to convert those who yet have not heard. Let your own confirm those very words by having a saving faith. You see, the Word of God powerfully moves the hearers to respond in repentance and in joy. And if you think back to the prophets Ezra and Nehemiah, they have a bit of a situation on their hands. As the people hear the word, they respond in tears and are visibly, physically moved. The law as it's spoken brings a conviction of their sin. We know that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it seems to have created problems for the Israelites. Now, Esther and Nehemiah, one of the few last prophets, and to all who are teaching, they call for the weeping to cease. For this is the day of the Lord. So, what do they do? The word is being preached, and the people are not receiving it. So they send the people off to go and to celebrate. And they even provide for those who aren't prepared. They try again the following week, and the week after, and the week after. And the people are given their direction and blessing to go in joy and strength in the Lord. They are to turn their hearts to God and find their joy in none other than Him. The whole point of Nehemiah's ministry was that people should be filled with celebration, just as David who danced before the ark. That brings us to us today. There should be repentance and joy in our life. And we should hear in the reading of God's word, his law, that we have much of which to be grateful. For example, People are not coming to church anymore. They aren't willing to hear the word of God. This is a problem throughout the world. This is a problem for us here at Beautiful Savior. You see, you and I, we need the time. Or we need to make time for God. Because in God and God alone we have forgiveness, life, and salvation. truly is a blessing that we who gather together in one turn our hearts to the Lord in joy because we also have heard the other word from the Lord which is his gospel the Savior to which Ezra and Nehemiah and all the prophets and to all their people they look forward has come and Jesus has died for those sins, and he has risen. We are receiving the benefits of his word this day and forever. And we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. There was a time when the word for us meant weeping and tears. But the joy of it is, is today. Today is the good news that you and I live in the time 
that Jesus has prepared for us. And this word is for you this very day. Your sins are indeed forgiven. Here's the blessing. Jesus loves you very much. So my dear friends in Christ, our mistake would be to consider Nehemiah the 8th chapter, well, just for this Sunday. It is our every Sunday lesson, if you will. It is our gathering together, hearing the ever-moving and ever-sustaining Word of God, and having our hearts turn to His eternal joy. Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, is not just the start of New Year's resolution or for the time that those resolutions last. It is also the weekly, even daily, return to God's Word with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So what is a pastor you're trying to say? Go in peace and know that the Lord loves you and that He has died for you. And he has risen from the dead so that you may have life in his name. John 3.16 says the best. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, is a reminder for us to return to God's words and to do so with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And to find that great renewal of body, mind, and soul. And to receive his gifts. Ultimately, having peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we say, Amen. We'll continue then with our offerings. For the Lord loves a cheerful giver. <laughs>